Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shaleen Show. Today we're talking about how your past has an impact today on your relationships, whether it's parenting or your romantic relationships, even your friendships. You can read all the relationship books. You can read the parenting books. You can listen to podcasts about friendships. You can think about and wonder and ponder and struggle with your relationships, but nothing has a greater impact on your relationships than your childhood. And this includes your biological parents. And of course, you didn't know your biological parents or you were separated from one of them, estranged from one of them. It also is impacted, obviously, by the people who you were surrounded by, the people who you were raised with. And it is those experiences from our past that are impacting and showing up in our relationships or lack thereof today. So if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling with parenting, if you're struggling with your friendships, if you're struggling to find the right person, if you are struggling to find a good one or to keep a good one or to have a better picker, whatever you want to call it, if you're struggling in your relationships, it is, oh shoot, are you ready for this? Please know I love you and I really want us to be friends after I say this, but I got to give you a little bit of tough love. If struggle in your relationships, all relationships, not just with one person, but there's a theme of struggle where you struggle with some friendships. When I say struggle, you know what I'm talking about. You've struggled with past relationships, and now maybe you're struggling with your kid and parenting. If this is a common theme, we've got to look at your past. You are the common denominator. That is not to say that you're the problem. But there may be a problem in your relationships, and there may be a problem with the way that you deal with more difficult people. And there's no question, everybody struggles. You might be needlessly struggling more than most. And today, I'm going to share with you what it is you kind of need to be aware of, and just to think about. That's all. I just want you to think about how these things may be impacting your relationships today in a negative way and what you can do about it. Let's get to it. If you haven't already, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to Monday's episode where I talked about the eight stages of relationships. And, you know, it's eight stages, and I think there may even be more than eight stages, especially after hearing from some of you, like, what about the stage of grief after you realize the relationship's over? Yeah, that's probably a ninth stage. What about the stage where you're trying to figure out if you should end the relationship? I think that happens in the explosion stage. But I definitely think there is perhaps a ninth stage that's kind of an optional stage. Not everybody experiences the grief of ending a relationship, but there are those that need to. Today's episode is inspired by the comments, questions, concerns, and struggles that many of you shared with me after listening to Monday's episode. Why is it some couples will never hit the happily ever after stage? Why is it some couples never go through the explosion? Why is it some couples or in some relationships we're constantly going back and forth between explosion and reunion or just always struggling to have that moment where we just feel like everything is right and we're with our best friend and they love us and support us and it's not so hard. Like, Why is it some couples are never able to, or some people I should say, are never able to get to a place in a relationship where they just feel like, wow, this is everything I want it to be. And I feel safe. I feel like I'm myself. And I've found a great person. It's not just that I'm a great person in this relationship, and I found a great person. 
What is it? Is it that we've got broken pickers? Is it luck of the draw? Well, research shows that most of our unhealthy relationships stem from our own negative beliefs, irrational fears, destructive habits, negative personal patterns, communication styles, subconscious beliefs, and how we may unknowingly be aligning ourselves with generational trauma or generational dysfunction, all of which often stems from stuff from our childhood, whether it's a trauma or just things that were role modeled to us, people who are in our lives, the people who were the greatest influences on us. Those people shaped your beliefs. They shaped the way you think subconsciously and consciously. They have shaped the way you communicate, the way you process things, the way you argue, the way you come together, your beliefs, your expectations, all of those things. They are impacting your relationship today. And of course, less so if you've done the work, if you're doing the work. My standard show disclaimer is, of course, to say that, listen, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not offering you psychological advice. What I'm offering you is girlfriend to friend advice. Like the intention behind this episode is to just open up your eyes so that you can go like, hmm, this is interesting. I hadn't thought about that. We might be onto something. I should dig further. That's my only goal today. That's my objective. My objective is to have you start to think about these cracks in the foundation, the pain, the stomach ache, the stress, the anxiety, the upheaval, the uncertainty that you feel sometimes, or too often, I should say, in your relationships. You don't have to experience that forever. You don't have to suffer indefinitely. And research tends to suggest that it's not just an issue of bad luck. You didn't just pick the wrong person accidentally. You didn't accidentally end up with the wrong person or the right person or whatever. More often than not, the root cause, the problems you're experiencing in your relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, and even your relationship with your children and your grown parents, assuming they're still alive, all of these relationships have the potential to be negatively impacted as a result of unresolved experiences, traumas, and just your early childhood, your life, and the people who were around you, all of those things have had a major today. They have a major impact on the way your relationships look, all relationships. And that could be positive and it could be negative. Now, if there's any area in any of these relationships that you would like to improve, we have to start not by looking at those individuals where there is riff and discord, but we have got to start by looking at ourselves. Now, before you're like, oh man, I got to turn this off because Shalene's about to tell me I am the problem. I want you to know that so much of the way you were shaped is a direct effect, a direct result of the family dynamic. And that family dynamic was shaped likely by the painful or traumatic events that shaped your parents and their parents. In fact, according to Stanford University cell biologist Bruce Lipton, he says emotions like fear and anger can biochemically alter the genetic expression of our offspring. That means things like trauma and stress and stress hormones are often passed along to our kids. And it's not just trauma that impacts the person. It's also our habits, our way of thinking, our communication style, the style that we use to resolve conflict, the way that we handle anger, the way that we view money, respect, all of those things, including trauma, 
have a tremendous impact on who we are and how we relate to other people. And one of the most profound ways that this shows up in our romantic relationships results from dysfunction in the parent-child relationship. Now, dysfunction can mean a lot of different things. And for the sake of this podcast, I don't know if this is like a formal term, but I want you to think of dysfunction as anything other than optimal. So dysfunction doesn't necessarily have to be abuse or abandonment or trauma with a capital T. It could really mean anything that wasn't necessarily optimal. For example, let's say that for whatever reason, when you were born, your mother and father couldn't care for you for a period of time, and so you were left with grandma around the clock. So you were separated from your biological parents, or or maybe you weren't separated from them. Maybe you just never saw them because your mom went back to work, and you were three weeks old and went to daycare. Dysfunction could be a parent or a mother who had postpartum depression and just could not connect with her child for the first couple of years of their life. Dysfunction could come in the form of a mother who is overly involved with her child and never allows that child to develop autonomy. Dysfunction could be in the form of somebody else who's in the household. Like maybe it's not even mom and dad, but you had an older sibling who was an alcoholic or a drug addict. Like these are all examples of dysfunction. But the weird thing about the word dysfunction is from a definition standpoint, it's anything that's outside the norm. And when I say it's weird to describe it that way is because the one thing that's abnormal, if you ask me, is having a family that doesn't have any of this. I personally think it's pretty dang normal to have dysfunction. So dysfunction is a very, very normal thing. You are not likely to ever meet somebody in your life who had zero exposure to dysfunction. So, I mean, dysfunction is pretty dang normal. So please know that. What we need to figure out, though, is how has that dysfunction impacted our relationships today in perhaps a negative way. Because, hey, sometimes dysfunction that we've been exposed to has had a positive impact on our relationships because it's taught us what exactly we don't want to do, how we don't want to parent, what we will not tolerate. But more often than not, that dysfunction is showing up in our subconscious beliefs, the way that our parent-child relationships are developing, or the way that we view our romantic relationships or even relationships with our friends. They all have these unconscious themes that relate to early childhood. More often than not, we do things that are damaging or that we don't realize are not in our best interest. More often than not, we're making poor decisions and allowing things to happen in our lives that are detrimental because of fear, a subconscious fear. And those subconscious fears often are controlling you in a way you don't even realize. And I think it goes without saying that the only way to fix a subconscious fear is to first know what it is. And because it's subconscious, it's not obvious. You can't overcome a fear until you know specifically what it is. So uncovering your deep-rooted subconscious fears is step number one. Today's episode of The Shaleen Show is sponsored by our friends at Organifi. You've heard me talk about them probably way too many times, but it's because the stuff is so good and it's helpful, especially if you're dealing with brain fog or ADHD or you just want to have a quicker memory. So many products, but my favorite is Organifi Pure. It comes in a little packet or you can get it in a tub now, which is super convenient. I prefer the little packets. I dump one of the pures into my water 
And then I have Organifi Immunity. These are two different products, but these are the two that I'm obsessed with. Obviously, immune, why wouldn't you want to bolster your own immune response? But the immunity is great because it kind of has an orange flavor. And then the pure tastes a little bit like my lemon ginger water. So when I mix them together, it's literally, it makes me drink so much more water. And I know I'm getting my Immunity, for example, it gives you 500% of your daily needs for vitamin C. In addition to that, it's got zinc, vegan vitamin D3, very, very important. So many people don't even realize that their vitamin D is insufficient and that's why their energy is low. That's why they can't lose their fat. The immunity product also helps because it bolsters your immune system. It's got an antiviral and antifungal and it really tastes delicious. I also love the Pure. That's the one that I take for my brain. It's got 11 different superfoods. It's 100% USDA certified organic. It is clinically proven, this is huge, to boost brain-derived neurotropic factor. Why do you need to care about that? Because that's what makes you think more clearly. That is what helps to increase the neurogenesis. That's like your little connections in your brain and they connect faster. And that's the stuff that we need if we want better memory if we want to feel mentally sharp, if we want to pull up information quicker in our heads, we want to be less forgetful, then we need to think about these things. A lot of their products are fantastic. Those are two of my favorite. I'm gonna let you check out the rest of them. They are gonna give you 20% off all of their products when you use code Shaleen. So you go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Shaleen. That gets you 20% off. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Shaleen. Get 20% off. All their products are great. My favorites, Pure and Immunity. So let's start there. Now, again, I'm going to say this repeatedly. I'm not a therapist. I don't pretend to be one, but I do want to encourage you to go see one. And I think one of the reasons why people hesitate going to see a therapist is because they don't really know what to say when they walk in. Like, I'm not really sure why I'm here. And You might be afraid of what it is you may uncover because you're avoiding thinking about it. You know, when you talk to somebody about like, hey, we should probably talk about your past, not too many people are like, well, that sounds fun. I mean, sure, the highlight parts, but not the parts that are painful that we don't want to think about anymore. So let me just like make this a little easier for you. And again, I can't do therapy. I'm not a therapist, but it might be interesting and it might just make it a little easier for you to consider doing the work if we can begin to demystify or even get more comfortable with some of the fears, deep-rooted fears that we may have. What I'm going to ask you to do right now is just think about the one relationship right now that's really cumbersome, it's troubling, and maybe it's a relationship that doesn't exist. Maybe you aren't in a romantic relationship and it's because every time you do, it's just not right. Maybe you're divorced, maybe you've dated a million guys or you've proposed to five different girls, but it just like never works out. Whatever the most troubling relationship is for you, maybe it's your friendships. Maybe it's the mother-daughter relationship you have with your aging mom. Whatever the most difficult, challenging relationship is for you right now, I want you to ask yourself, when you think about this relationship or potential relationship, what is your number one fear or phobia? If you really were forced to be honest, and no one else in the world would ever know it. If you truly were being honest with yourself, how might you describe your fear as it relates to that relationship or that type of relationship? And when you think about the fear, 
what does that fear say about you? So like if that fear were to come true, what would that fear, what would that then say to the world about who you are? Let me give you an example from one of my friends. So she shared with me, because her businesses were always getting to the point where she was almost like successful, like just about to hit that benchmark where it's like, oh, wow, I can really kind of sit back, not like sit back and count my money, but you know what I mean? Like everything would be going great. She was on a major role. She would feel really good about her progress. She loved what she was doing, was happy with the amount of money she was making, employees, all those things. Everything's going great. And routinely, over and over and over again, she would have fallouts with the people she was working with. Whether it was a consultant or a team member or an employee, didn't matter. She would have these fallouts with them, and then that would impact the business, and the business would fail, and she'd start all over with a brand new idea, brand new concept, and rebuild again. And she did this over and over and over again. Ultimately, she had to admit to herself that her greatest fear was that she wasn't a great business person, that she wasn't meant to be an entrepreneur that she wasn't meant to be successful in business. Then when she was getting real honest with herself, she had to admit that what that would say about her was that she wasn't a valuable daughter. She wasn't a worthy daughter, that she wasn't good enough as a daughter because her father had always been incredibly successful in business. He passed away when she was very young. And her belief was that in order to have his love, she had to also do well in business. And because that relationship no longer exists with her father, she's always struggled in her head with the belief that I'm not good enough. I won't be good enough for my father. And so subconsciously, her fear was playing out in her actions. She was subconsciously sabotaging those relationships with her you know, business partners or consultants or staff members or team, or she would just sabotage the business in general. But it really boiled down to the relationships that she was fostering that made the business move that eventually would crumble. And she didn't realize that it had so much to do with that fear. And the fear was being driven by her false belief, a belief that she formed in her early childhood, that she would never be good enough in business. She would never be enough for her father to truly love her. Now, I'm telling you, She struggled with this for probably less 10 years until she really dug deep and finally faced that fear and then unpacked where that fear stemmed from and kind of reprocessed some of those early childhood memories as an adult. Because when we don't think about those early childhood memories, the way that we've stored them, the way that we rationalize them is with the knowledge, experience, and wisdom of a young child. So logically, she knows none of that was true, but because she didn't allow herself to actually embrace or even think through that fear, it just stayed there in her subconscious because she didn't want to approach it. But once, with the help of a professional, once she really kind of unpacked it, I hate that word, but once she started like really to understand it and then address those early childhood memories wherein she formed those beliefs, she was able to like go, oh, okay, not that those early childhood memories don't now exist for her. They do. But now she's thought through them again and reprocessed them. Now she can make sense of those early childhood experiences as a rational adult and free herself from those negative beliefs. I've got to tell you, she's never been more successful and more 
happy and content in her business and in her life and in her relationships than she is today. So that's one example. The only way to solve problems, reoccurring themes in our relationships is to identify what's at the root of it, what's at the core of it. And a lot of times that means unpacking things that we subconsciously have been avoiding forever. Now, if this is trouble you're having with, let's say, your children, your teenage kids, your teenage son, even in that relationship, there is something you fear. And if that fear were to come true, it says something about you. And that fear stems from very likely some way that you were handled, some way that you were parented, some early childhood experience that helped you to form these subconscious beliefs. So coming to terms with that fear, coming to terms is the first step in identifying like what's going on here? What's the problem? Oftentimes this boils down to communication. Communication and our negative beliefs that cause us to keep repeating the same patterns, even though we think we're doing things differently. Now, while I started this episode off by saying, like, you know, I hate to break it to you, but like, we've got to start with you. We do need to start with you, but I want to give you some relief and help you to understand that while we have to start with you, it didn't start with you. Does that make sense? Like so much of our emotional struggles and our negative beliefs and the things that we struggle with today in our relationships stem from something an adult did or something we viewed or something we experienced as a child. It's at the core of who we are. The good news is they didn't fix it, but you can. You can defeat this stuff. You can change this. You can change your thinking. You can change your own child's experience. You can change the trajectory of your life. You can change the opportunities for your own kids if you just dig into this stuff. I know I make it sound so much easier than maybe you're imagining it to be, but I just want you to know it's not nearly as hard or as painful as you think it's going to be. And if you want to fix your relationships, if you want them to be more comfortable, if you want to enjoy peace instead of feeling like you're broken into a million fragmented pieces, just start by figuring out where this stuff stems from. Start with your most important relationship. And then go to your second most important relationships that's causing you headache, heartache, sadness, anxiety, stress, all of these things. And as always, I want to recommend that you do that with a trained professional. I am not one. I know quite a few. Of course, my favorite is Dr. Michaela. I'll put her contact information in our show notes. You guys should do, if you're really serious about this, and you want to like handle it fast, come do an intensive. She does an EMDR intensive that like, I can't even tell you how many people have written to me after listening to the show and said, thank you, that changed my life. I cannot believe in five days, I've worked through so many of these things. I didn't even realize we're there. And it was pretty fun. Anyways, whether it's with her or an online talk therapy or finding somebody who's reputable in your area, just remember this, as I always say about therapists, you've got to find the right one. You've got to find one that works with you. You've got to find one that you trust and If you've already gone to therapy once, don't think you're like, okay, well, that's done. Like once you do it, you realize like, oh, this is something I should probably do on the regular. And there are times in your life where you need a different therapist than the one you were working with before because it can only take you so far. Maybe a better way of stating it is you will only go so far with that particular therapist because for whatever reason, like you might have a block with them. That's not to say there's anything wrong with them, but like they might not be the right therapist for the stage that you're in right now. Hey, listen, this is how you become an evolved human. And I love you for doing this. You're awesome. 
I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon.